We're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning. It's Wednesday evening, while you're finding that, Wednesday evening we looked at this passage and, and emphasized a particular aspect of what Jesus was teaching his closest followers, his disciples here in John 15. There's certainly an application to this as far as uh, bearing fruit, reaching people with the gospel, people being saved. Uh, but there's more, more to it, of course, than that. But um, we're going we're gonna to read beginning in John chapter 15 and verse 1. And if you're able to stand, would you stand with us as we just honor the Word of God for the reading of the Scripture, and then we'll pray and get right into the text. Jesus said in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. We, we really emphasize that aspect Wednesday night. If you missed that service, I'd encourage you to look at it on the, on the web. Our, fa God, our father is his father. His father is our father. His father was a husbandman. A husbandman is like a vine dresser, a farmer. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. And abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Let's pray again, all right? Father, thank you for your word today. And it is indeed a delight to be able to open it up, to study it together. And Lord, we put our attention deliberately, intentionally, our focus on your words. And we pray that you would teach us, you would encourage us, you would challenge us. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth and help us to mix faith with the word of God that it might produce in us what you would desire. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we mentioned Wednesday and as we'll emphasize throughout the message today, those who are saved uh, are to be fruit-bearing Christians. Everyone who's saved should want to be a fruit-bearing Christian. That's what Jesus wants for us. God wants that. 
Jesus makes it clear in this passage. You know, in the other, another passage we referred to Wednesday is the parable of the sower, where the sower sowed the seed, and, and some, some fell by the wayside, some fell on stony ground, some fell among what Jesus described as the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches that choke out the seed. But some fell on good soil, and they brought forth fruit. And Jesus said this, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. We don't all bear the same fruit, but every Christian is to be a fruit-bearing Christian. So as we look at this passage today, let's just kind of begin with an overview, and then we're going to focus in on a couple of things in particular. So Jesus said in verse 1 there, I am the true vine. He's not talking about a physical vine. He's not talking about physical fruit. He's talking about a spiritual vineyard. And he is the true vine. There are uh, imposter vines. There are vines that aren't the true vine, but he's the true vine. And his father is the farmer, the fine, vine dresser. His father, our father, the creator, it's his, a part of what he does is, is he works on the, the branches in the vine to produce the best crop. The disciples are the branches. That's us. Look in verse um, 5. It says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. The branches are connected to the vine. So if you're truly a Christian, if you've been born again, this, this passage is talking about you and I and our relationship and how, how that Jesus is the true vine. He's the only true vine. And all those who trust in him, all those who are saved are branches in that vine. Notice the references, if you would please, in verse 2, for instance, where he says, in me. Every branch in me. In verse 4, he says, abide in me and I in you. The last part of verse 4 says, except ye abide in me. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me. Verse 7, if you abide in me. In me. I mean, I think it ought to be clear that Jesus is emphasizing that we are connected to the vine. We, the, the branches are in direct union with the vine, and our union with Christ is a living union. We, we actually belong to Him. We're attached to Him. We're connected to Him. And um, as a result of that, we bear fruit. It's not, we're not, it's not us producing the fruit. It's him producing the fruit through us. We're branches in the vine. The fruit that we produce as, as believers, as branches, is the result of our union with him. Look what he said in verse 4. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. The last part of verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. We kind of heard that about that this morning in Sunday school. We can't do anything without him. Without, I'm talking about fruit bearing, things that are of great consequence, of eternal value. We cannot produce it on our own. Now we're going we're gonna to look at this uh, as how it applies to us as believers, but I want you to think with me for a few moments, especially if you're sitting here and you're not even sure that you are a branch in the vine. You're not really sure that you're saved. I, the question, based on what Jesus said right here, is are you in Christ? That's the relationship of a believer with Jesus. It's not just an intellectual relationship where we know facts, historical information, 
It's a living relationship. We, we are connected to Him. He's a part of our life. We are actually hid with Christ in God. We, that's what the Bible says about us. And if you're sitting here today and young person or adult and you, you're not really understanding what that means, this is what, this is what it means to be a Christian. It's a spiritual relationship that positions us in a place that no one else can be placed, and that is branches in the vine. We are no longer in darkness, we're in the light. We're not the people we once were. Christ dwells in us, and we dwell in Him. Look in verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. And the fruit that we bear, we're going to talk about what that fruit is, but the fruit that we bear is not because of who we are. It's not what we do. We don't go to a fruit-bearing class 101 and decide how we can produce this fruit. We try harder, we can produce. No, we don't produce the fruit. He does. He does. It's, it's him doing it. Religion is what we do. Christianity is what he does. What he does in us and what he does through us. He actually produces the fruit through us. So if, you're, if you've not been born again, you're not in him. You can pray, you can go to church, you can know about Him. You can enjoy Christmas, uh, Christian-type holidays. But if you're not saved, you're not in Him. Here, here's the good news. Christ died not just to make us religion, religious. Christ died to transform our lives. And Christ died on the cross that we could be in Him and Him be in us. And if you're not saved, that's not you. You may have prayed a prayer and got baptized, but, if, but you ought to be able to know, people in this room ought to be able to know if, you've, if he's really changed your life, if, if he's living in your life, he's producing fruit through your life. Because when he's in us, listen, he that hath the Son hath life. If he's in you, he's put life in you, spiritual life, eternal life. And if you don't have life, you don't have him, according to 1 John. But the good news is, he wants to save you. He wants you to be a part of Him and Him to be a part of you. And so I want you to think about that today. And if you're not sure you're saved, be willing to admit it. Don't let your pride keep you from having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let your fear of what people may say about you. If you say, well, if I were to get saved, people in my mom or in bed or my husband or wife or somebody's going to, my kids are going to think, you know, what, what's the deal? Don't worry about what people think. You know what's going to happen? We're all going to rejoice that you're saved. That's what's going to happen. If you're not saved, you ought to want to be saved. Amen. The branches that are in him, verse 2 says, they produce fruit. They they. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every, let's look at this. Every branch that beareth fruit. So if you're in Christ, you're, we're to produce fruit. And we ought to be concerned if we're not producing fruit. And that's important. If we're not willing to admit that, then a lot of what I'm going to say from here on out is not going to matter. But we ought to be willing to admit that. You know, Peter even wrote about being how we could become barren and unfruitful. Barren, not able to produce fruit. How we can become barren and unfruitful. That's a possibility. Now, I want to look at this, what some people, I think, um, misrepresent here in verses 2 and verse 6, and that is the branches that are not producing 
fruit. Notice what he says in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now what does that mean? He taketh away. And I want to tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you can lose your salvation. As we heard this morning in Sunday school, no work you can do can cause you to get salvation and no work you can do or not do can cause you to lose your salvation because salvation is the work of God. I like the language in Ecclesiastes so what God does lasts forever. So it's not about losing your salvation, but it's about branches that are not productive. Now, you would agree with this if you're talking about an oak tree or an apple tree, but you have a hard, may have a hard time agreeing with it when you're talking about a spiritual branch. But branches that don't produce fruit are actually hindrances. That's why the vine dresser takes them away because they're being a hindrance. I personally believe this is talking about the chastisement of the father. It, it may include, and I believe it would include in some cases, the sin unto death. Because it says the branch is in me. Any branch in me. You say, do you believe it's possible for a person to be in Christ and just not really let God work in their life? And, and I absolutely believe it's a possibility. I think it's a dangerous possibility, but I believe it is a possibility. And what is it that makes the difference in, between the branches that are producing fruit and those that don't? And that simple answer is this matter of abiding. This abiding, this abiding, you know, if you think about a branch attached to the vine, now just think with me for a moment. That branch, I don't think it requires any effort on the part of that branch to be attached to the vine. And if we're saved, we're there because God put us there. But this matter of abiding here has to do with our fellowship and our closeness and our relationship. More, really more technical, our fellowship than our relationship. So if, if we're abiding in Him, we're going to produce fruit. If we, I want to say it again. If we are abiding in Him, we're going to produce fruit. Now, let's just, we covered this Wednesday, but I just want to throw this in for a moment. What is the fruit that the, van, the branches of the vine are to produce? And, and through, if you could categorize these two kinds of fruit, there are numerous verses that speak of both of them. One of them is a, is a matter of character. It's Christ-likeness, the fruit of holiness. As a matter of fact, in, in Hebrews it talks about, uh, and I may mention this again later, that when God chastens His children, and He does chasten His children, the result of that chastisement will be, according to the Bible, the, the uh, fruit of, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. He's going to make us more godly. That's, that's the fruit of godliness, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's a part of the fruit we produce. It's godliness. It's character. And who produces that? God produces that. Christ produces that. It comes through the vine into the branches, and through the branches it produces this kind of fruit. And if you're, if you're abiding in Him, listen, you're going to be producing that kind of fruit. You are. The other part of the fruit is the fruit of other believers. Paul said this, writing to the Romans. Right, imagine this, the epistle he's writing to the Roman believers. And he says, that I might have some fruit among you. 
He's not talking about that I could be a good Christian among you. He's talking about that I could see people saved. What is the fruit of a grapevine? Is it an orange? No, it's a a grape. A healthy grapevine is going to produce grapes. And as we're thinking about bearing fruit, we're thinking about our church's missions outreach, our community outreach, we ought to be thinking about that. Souls being saved, that's a part of the fruit he's talking about. I believe in John 15, that's the particular fruit he's talking about. People being saved, people becoming children of God, locally, internationally, being brought you know, to the Lord. That's, we want to produce fruit. Salvation is a wonderful thing. There's nothing else in the world to be compared to it. Salvation is a wonderful thing, but it's not just for us. It's for others. The people we know, the people we care about, the people in foreign countries, the people we'll never meet this side of heaven, it's for them. If you look at our text today in John chapter 15, notice references to fruit bearing, if you would please. We already read chapter 2 where he says, every branch of me that beareth not fruit. So there's the, there are those who bear no fruit. But it also in verse 2 it says, every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it can bring forth more fruit. So in that one verse, we have no fruit, some fruit, more fruit. If you look in verse 5, he says, um, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So we have no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Verse 8, he says, Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God is glorified that we bear much fruit. And I believe that with all of my heart. God gets the glory for whatever's produced through our life. If it's godliness and character and Christ-like behavior, God gets the glory for that. If it's people being saved and churches being started and missionaries being sent and more fruit being born, it's God that gets the glory for that. He is glorified when we bear much fruit. Now as we look at this passage, we see in part the role that the husbandman, the vine dresser has in increasing our fruitfulness. And that's what I want to focus on for our remaining time. And there are more than two things here, but I want, to, I want to hit on two of them. And the first one has to do with the branches abiding in Jesus. It's very clear in the passage. The text is so clear. The second one has to do with the pruning of the branches. Now notice again in verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. The abide in me is a command. It's a command to disciples. Jesus gave this command to his disciples. It's a word of instruction. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's a word of instruction to us. It has to do with our abiding in him. We're all interested in what it means to abide in him because he says right there that if we abide in him, we're going to bear fruit. It doesn't mean, I say this again, it doesn't mean we're keeping ourselves saved. What it means is we're maintaining a close fellowship with Him. We're we're maintaining a closeness in in our communion with Him. We're living a life that He can live His life through us. This ought to be a word of encouragement for all of us. If we're going to bear fruit, which we are to bear fruit, 
that we take our spiritual relationship to Christ seriously. It involves confessing our sin and forsaking our sin. Look at matter in verse 3. It says, Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. It's keeping our lives in obedience to the word of God. Him working in our life. We want to take this serious. Keep our sins confessed. To, what does it mean? If, I, if you were to ask someone to define what is, what is your abode you may not know what that they're talking about. They're talking about where you live. You abide. You abide, you abide there. It's where you live. It's where you dwell. And Jesus said that we ought to be working to keep our... We ought to be abiding in Him. We ought to be living in Him. We ought to be making Him the source of our strength, of our passion, of our lives. This word abide... If you may or may not have noticed as we're reading through it, but it's found many times in verse 4... It's found three times, abide in me and I in you, except it abide in the vine. Last part of verse 4, except you abide in me. Verse 5, he that abideth in me. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. It's an abiding relationship. Let me tell you how the Christian life is not to be lived. The Christian life is not intended to be lived for a per- so a person gets saved, they trust Christ their Savior, and maybe they're very interested and fired up for a few weeks or months, but then they just kind of drift into this mode of just doing what comes natural and doing whatever they think's right and not really being faithful to God, not being available to God, not be dependent upon God, not be trusting God, not be seeking God. They're just living like the world. That's not the way the Christian life is supposed to be lived. And if you're living that way, you're not living the life the way it's supposed to be lived. You know how it ought to be lived? Depending upon Him. Talking to Him. Worshiping Him. Thanking Him. Seeking Him. Availing yourself to Him. God, would you help me with this? God, I need your help. That's the way it's supposed to be lived. We're to be abiding in Him. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words... Abide in you. Abiding in Him, when we're abiding in Him, His Word is abiding in us. That's a lot different than just picking up your Bible and taking it to church. Holding it out and reading it on Sunday, maybe. Maybe even not that. Not really getting into it on a daily basis. Not seeking the Lord. Not waiting before God. Not sitting. No, that's... If you're abiding in Him, His Word is going to be abiding in you. Wouldn't you love to have Jesus with you all the time? If you're saved, He is with you all the time. Wouldn't you love to have Him talking to you? If you have His Word, He does talk to us. That's abiding in Him. I'll tell you, the, the, the world has been done a great disservice by people who claim to be saved who don't really live on a daily basis the Christian life. This is what Jesus talked about. This is the fruit-bearing life. And listen, abiding is not optional if we're going to bear fruit. Abiding is essential, both in bearing fruit or bearing much fruit. It has to be cultivated. It's not a, it's not a lifestyle that you just know. It's, you know, when we got saved, we, we repented of our sin. 
with a sincere heart, put our faith and trust in Christ, ask Him to forgive us and save us, and He saved us and made an eternal difference in our life. But that doesn't mean we automatically just depend on Him the way we should and talk to Him as often as we should and worship Him and thank Him and recognize Him and all thy ways acknowledge Him. Think about that, in all thy ways. God wants to be a part of every part of our life. You say, well, that's, I don't know that I do that. Well, that's, that's the purpose of God, Jesus giving this teaching, to help us do that, to make that our, our objective. It's his objective, and he wants it to be our objective. We walk in his word. I want to tell you today, please hear me. I say this in truth, and I say it in love. If you are not keeping his commandments, you're not walking and abiding in his love. He said, I don't think you should say that. Well, actually, I'm not the one that said it. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. We're not walking with him the way we ought to if we're not living obediently. His word, his word, even today, even as I speak, his word ought to be challenging us. It ought to be moving us out of our comfort zone into a place of obedience to him. His word does that. But he doesn't force us into a mold. We, take, we receive with meekness, James said, the engrafted word. You know, I was thinking about this as it re relates to all this. In the Old Testament, the prophets would give the pure word of God. and People would often reject it. In the Gospels, Jesus would give the pure word of God. And people would often reject it. In the ministry of the Apostle Paul in the times of the epistles, Paul would give the pure word of God and they, many people would reject it. It shouldn't surprise us if people sometimes reject the word of God. And sometimes as preachers we blame ourselves. Why don't people take this more seriously? And that's a good question. We want to take all the burden on ourselves. Well, we, maybe we're not presenting it, you know, in a way that's convincing enough. But it's, we shouldn't have to make it convincing. It's just the book. It's what the Bible says. And if God says it, we ought to take it seriously. And abiding in Him means His words are abiding in us. By the way, our abiding in Him will affect our prayer life. Look in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you... You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, that verse right there is worth meditating about. If we're abiding in Him, if we're as closely connected and yielded to Him as we know how to be, and His Word is abiding in us, we're letting His words, the principles and precepts of His Word, have their way in our life, that he said, you can ask what you will, it'll be done. And a part of the reason for that is if we get so in tune with him, whatever we want is going to be what he wants. That's not always the case with me. Sometimes I want things that are not necessarily what he wants. But, but the more we want what he wants, the more he's going to answer our prayers. It affects our prayer life. 
And not only does it affect our prayer life, it's going to directly affect our fruit bearing. Verse 4 and 5 to me are so simple and yet so convicting. Where it says in verse 4, The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. And then in verse 5, what a statement, the last part of verse 5. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. We're to be dependent upon him. Now, obviously, today I should be depending upon him as I preach. I mean, my wife wrote out the sermon, and I've got good text to go with, but... I'm not depending on her to deliver it. I'm depending on the Lord to help me. But you know what? You ought to be depending upon him in training your children. You ought to be depending on him in being a good testimony on the job where you are. You ought to be depending on him to help you and your husband or wife have the best relationship you can have. We ought to be depending on him all the time. Not just... Not just Sometimes, not just when we have religious responsibility. We're to be, it's a Christ-centered life. I don't have, that's a very simple way to put it, but it's reality. It's the Christ-centered life. Let's not be guilty, none of us. Let's not be guilty of just having, wanting Jesus to have a role in a few sections or segments of our life, but really not have a role in all of our life. That's not what he wants. He didn't go to the cross and die on the cross to save my soul so that I would just give him little fragments of my life. My life belongs to him. Your life belongs to Him. As parents, we want to teach that to our children. Your life belongs to Him. Nowhere in the Bible does it endorse the idea that you can be saved and just pretty much do as you please or be like the world. That's not in the Bible. That's not what God has in mind for us. And if we're, if we're living like that, we're not going to produce the right kind of fruit. We're not going to do it. So today, I want us to evaluate our abiding relationship with Christ. And I said we were going to talk about the pruning, not bruning, pruning. But we're going to save that for another day. I just want, to, I just want this to be very much on our mind. The importance of an abiding relationship with Christ. It's something we cultivate. It's something we maintain. It's something we work at. And as we heard this morning in Sunday school, we're not all alike. We don't all have the same responsibilities. We don't all have all the same personality. But all of us have, if you're saved, we have this in common. We are branches in the vine. And he wants to produce fruit through us. And the more we abide in him, the more fruit there will be. It's not, that doesn't mean if I just have to try harder. I'm not against trying harder, but you can't produce fruit by trying harder. But you can produce fruit by abiding in Him. Look at Jesus 
as the Savior that wants to be involved in every part of your life. Because that's what He wants. And it starts at salvation. You say, well, I didn't understand all this stuff when I got saved. None of us did. (laughs) I don't understand it all now. But I know this, you'll never produce the right kind of fruit if you're not attached to the vine. And if you're not saved, you're not in Him. And if you're not in Him, you're not attached to the vine. You say, well, what do I have to do to be saved? You have to come to Him with a sincere, repentant heart and just say, I, need, I'm, I know I'm a guilty sinner, but I want to be saved. Jesus gave us a wonderful example, an illustration in Luke chapter 18 about two men who went up to the temple to pray and one prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not like this publican. I fast, I I tithe, I'm I'm a decent person. I'm glad I'm not like him. Jesus said that's how one guy prayed. And then another guy prayed a very simple prayer. Seven words, if I remember right. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Simple prayer, isn't it? He's acknowledging he was a sinner. He was acknowledging he he doesn't deserve it. He was acknowledging that it was by the mercy of God. Simple prayer. But I believe a person with a sincere heart would play that simple prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you mean it, God will hear that prayer and save you. And you won't feel it in a physical way, but in a spiritual reality, the moment you do that, you will be a branch that's attached to the vine permanently. It's wonderful, isn't it, to know about? Do you know the Lord? If you don't, you need Him today. Maybe nobody needs to hear this today but me. But just maybe there are those here today who think, I want to bear more fruit. I want to be more fruitful. I want to produce more fruit for my Savior. I want to produce more fruit that He, the Father, would be glorified in my life. How does that come about? By abiding in Him. Just draw as close to Him as you can be. Keep your sins confessed. Not some sins, all sins open, transparent, dependent, yielded to Him. And you know what He says? He that abideth in me lets my word abide in Him. You could do that today. We could all do that today. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, could it be today that there's one or two or three or five or more real believers today, and if you look at your life, you ask the question, am I really bearing fruit? What kind of fruit am I bearing? Am I really abiding in Him the way He wants me to? And Today would be a good day to say, Lord, I want to I obey this. I, wanna, I just want to renew my devotion to just abide in You and let Your words abide in me. You know, you can read the Bible every day and not let His words abide in you. Our fathers, we pray today. I want to thank you for 
your word and God for the very con convicting power of your word to challenge us, to expose us, to encourage us. We thank you for it. God, would you work in our hearts today according to your will. If there are those here today who aren't saved, I pray that today they'd be honest enough to see themselves in need of a Savior. While our heads are bowed today and folks are praying while the piano plays, maybe today you need to come. You need somebody to talk with or pray with or just come to the altar and spend a moment in prayer. If you need somebody to talk to you about how to be saved, you're not sure, maybe you're confused about it, why don't you come? I'll meet you right here at the front. Would you tell God, Lord, I want to I bear more fruit for your glory. I want to be more Christ-like in my attitudes and my behaviors, my priorities. I want to help others come to know you. That's what branches do.